0: In agriculture, we understand why automation is critical for our ability to compete and turn a profit. With the continued challenges in regulation and labor, the appeal of automating a farm has never been higher. Any aspect of the farming process that drives efficiency and profitability is a win for farmers everywhere.
1: You know, we're ag guys that are doing tech to solve a problem. And so much of what we see out there is tech guys that decide, I'm going to go solve a problem for the ag guys. and that's great. They have a great, you know, knowledge of the software and the sensors and such. But man, until you've lived the farm life for decades, um, it's, it's very challenging to know all the what ifs.
0: Gary Thompson from Global Unmanned Spray Systems, or Gus joins us on today's episode to talk about their automated spraying technology and how it might apply to the world of blueberries.
2: resilient and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research and technology related to blueberry production. This is The Business of Blueberries. Here's your host, President of the U.S. High Bush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist.
0: Well, welcome back to another episode of The Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. We spoke on our last episode about the idea of a touchless experience for blueberries. That idea seems closer and closer to reality, thanks in part to automation. And automation is exactly what we're going to be talking about in today's episode, which I think all of you are really going to enjoy. Back with me is our regular co-host and chair of the Tech and Innovation Committee, Mr. Rod Cook. Hello, Rod.
3: Hey, Casey. Good to be back.
0: We've talked about automation before on this podcast and as it relates to things like mechanical harvesting transporting harvested berries around the field, optical sorting, and others. But in today's episode, it's going to be a little different. We're going to be looking at the potential for automating a very common task for all blueberry growers, right?
3: That's right, Casey. You know, there's one piece of equipment that nearly all commercial blueberry growers, in fact, probably nearly all farms have in common, and that is a sprayer. Whether you're organic, conventional, they're fungi, insects, weeds, nutrients, you simply have to spray to ensure consistent quality and production. The challenge is that your goal is to direct that spray at the right thing, avoid any issues with your spray product drifting onto other plants or parts of your land. And to do that requires spraying in the right time to manage the issue, to make sure there isn't too much wind, there isn't rain, it's not too hot, so on and so forth. It takes precision and it often doesn't happen or come at the most convenient time. Our guest today are determined to do something about this and make it easier to hit those correct spray windows for our growers. Gary Thompson with GUS, that's the Global Unmanned Spray System is with us today. And not only is Gary chief operating officer of GUS, but he's also owner operator of Thompson Farms, an almond operation and member of Blue Diamond Growers. I've seen a picture
0: of it and the sprayer is impressive. It looks futuristic, almost like one of those Tesla trucks, I guess is kind of what I was thinking. I know they've making their headway in almonds, but from a blueberry perspective, what made you flag this as an innovation for today's episode?
3: Well, you know, there are a lot of automated sprayers out there, but when you really go through them and look at those that are most functional for our growers, most of the autonomy going on in spray rigs is centered around weed sprayers. You know, that's something we might use one, two, three times a year, not the general sprayers for insect control or fungicide control, which we tend to use a lot more regularly. And Gus has a system that is really designed around those multiple uses, things that growers are going to use a lot throughout any one particular year. So it seems like it may make more sense in terms of looking at an autonomous sprayer that they could use on a regular basis in their production system.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to hearing more. And I always like these episodes, and you've done this well, Rod, over the series of our tech episodes where we're bringing in innovation from other ag areas that you know we can see as potentially applicable to blueberries. And again, I think this one's another good example of that. So why don't we dive into this conversation with Gary?
3: Right. Thanks, Casey. As I mentioned, in the lead, we've got Gary Thompson with us today from Gus, an almond grower and a person in the autonomous spray industry to talk about their spray rig. Gary, I've shared just a snippet of your background and and about Gus, but could you share with our listeners more about your background in the company, please?
1: Sure. Yeah. And thanks for having me on, uh, Rod and Casey as well. And um, yeah, so my background with Gus Automation dates back about four years ago. When I got involved, the machine itself still wasn't quite operating yet. Uh, We were still working through the autonomy, the software, trying to get it to basically drive down a row of almonds, make it to the end of the row, make its own turn and drive back to us without hitting any trees or going off course. Uh, So that was back in 2017. And um, we really put a hard push in on the software and the sensors that year. And by the end of the year, got it to that point where we needed it to be in order to actually start doing some of the actual field applications, which obviously was our goal. So we got it to the point where we started performing real world applications and pistachios, almonds, citrus, various tree crops like that. And we inserted them into our commercial spraying fleet, um, which ultimately is what we made these machines for. And really started commercially spraying a lot of acreage here in California.
0: And Gary, just give us a little sense of the footprint of what it looks like today in terms of who's using Gus and what types of crops.
1: Yeah, so originally... um, as I stated, this machine was built for our commercial spraying business, uh, which is called Crinklaw Farm Service, uh, named after the founder of our company, Dave Crinklaw. And he started this business 40 years ago here in California, spraying predominantly high value crops, permanent crops like trees and vineyards. Also do quite a few other things outside of spraying, like pruning. Uh, We do a little bit of harvesting, do some soil amendment spreading, but the spraying has always been the biggest part of our business by far. The business was started by Dave and his father. They were each on a tractor and each had their own sprayer spraying 20 to 40 acres a day. And over the decades, Dave just really took off with the company. He grew it like crazy. And um, today we are the largest commercial spraying business in California when it comes to trees and vines. Well over about 130 total spray rigs of various sorts in the company. And along with all that equipment, came with a lot of labor, as you can imagine. So, you know, Dave, very uh, innovative guy. He's built a lot of innovative pieces of equipment over the decades. Just machines that'll do more, more efficient, more precise. Always use that equipment inside of our business. Well, the one idea that's been in the back of his head for probably 15 some odd years was, man, it sure be nice to have a sprayer that drove itself. You know, that sure solve a lot of challenges for us. And uh, finally, in 2014, he just had had about enough with the labor issues and decided, you know what, let's just start building the machine. So starting in 2014, uh, had no idea how to automate the thing. He had tons of people that told him it can't be done in trees because you don't get GPS signal through a tree canopy, uh, which makes it very, very challenging. But he didn't take well to that answer and said, well, you know what? I don't know how to automate it today, but I know I need to build a platform and I know how to build a good sprayer. So I'm going to build a platform and we'll set off on a course to automate it. It took us three and a half years to figure out how to get the thing to drive down a row, turn around and come back to us. Uh, without going off course very very challenging when you get under that tree canopy but we did it and we started commercially spraying with a handful of those units and hit it pretty hard over the next couple of years and ultimately we brought it to the world ag expo in 2018 to kind of debut it to the world because prior to that we kept it all kind of under wraps and We were just amazed how many growers would come by our booth and said, wow, this is amazing. That's great. You guys provide it as a service, but I like to own my own equipment. So why don't you sell me one? And at the time we weren't selling them. I mean, this was a solution for our own company, but it really got us thinking, man, maybe there's another avenue here. Maybe we should start manufacturing and actually selling them to other growers so they could realize all the benefits of them that's ultimately what we did um 2019 we built a manufacturing facility and we started building them for customers so far our customers are predominantly going to be almond farmers pistachio farmers um, citrus pecans walnuts trees like that even some stone fruit, and so any any tree that has typically about a let's say 18 to 30 foot row spacing but in reality let's face it in california almond is king it's 1.4 million acres of almonds you know and that was always the market we were after with this machine and almonds are typically in that 20 to 22 foot row spacing range so so that's what we did we picked up um, quite a few customers that first year in our first year of production we built 52 units and sold them basically did one a week uh, that whole year And outside of California, we've sold machines into Florida in the citrus industry there. Um, Australia as well. Uh, You think the labor issues are bad here in California. Australia is much, much worse. They just flat deal with very few laborers and very costly labor. So uh, we're running over there. We've got some machines in Arizona and pecans. And yeah, now we're we're just looking for the next uh, crops and the next... uh, thing and a big part of that's why i'm talking to you guys today
0: well this is all very fascinating and i'm excited to dive into more details about exactly how this could be adopted for blueberry growers but before we dive deeper let's take a quick break for our crop report we are getting into the later season here on the domestic side but there is still a lot of blueberry harvest happening in parts of north america so here once again is your blueberry crop report
2: It's time for your Blueberry Crop Report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today, you'll hear from Brian Sakuma in Washington, Doug Kramer in Oregon, Jason Smith in British Columbia, and Rex Schultz in Michigan. This was recorded on August 25th, 2021. Uh, This is
0: Brian Sakuma calling from the state of Washington. Uh, Eastern
1: Washington is Winding down fairly quickly with the, the larger volumes. They're into the late season. And I think those that have some of the late varieties will continue to go for a couple more weeks. Uh, Western Washington, a lot of this stuff being picked for uh, IQF is coming in fairly quickly. There's a few late varieties
0: that are being harvested for fresh, and uh, some of those will probably continue on for a couple of weeks. But volume is starting to drop off pretty rapidly. That's a report
2: for Washington. This is Doug Kramer reporting for Oregon. We're down to the late season varieties here. Elliot, the last call on the Aurora. We're, they're picking pretty nice at this point in time. As you remember during the heat, the Aurora got hurt pretty bad. So there's not much Aurora out there to pick, but they are getting some. The Elliot is coming off really nice and picking well. Last call is what it is, which is somewhere in between that. So that's a report for Oregon at this point. Thank you.
1: Hi, this is uh, Jason Smith reporting for British Columbia. There's still some cleanup of blue crop going on in some areas for the process market. Uh, A
2: lot of people have started into their Elliott, and I'm not sure if any have started their Aurora quite yet. I know I'm probably five, seven days away from. Going in first pick on not variety, fruit quality is good,
1: and that's the report for British Columbia.
0: This is uh, Rex Schultz from uh, Michigan, and our crop report for this week. Getting down to the end of the season here on uh, the hand-picked varieties and the machine harvest for process. We are uh, wrapping things up in the, in the south this week, and I would think that uh, in the northern counties of Michigan. They'll probably be uh, finishing up the end of next week or or just past that, uh, shortly after. Uh, We look like our volumes this year are going to be pretty close to last year. There really isn't any fruit going into the CA programs, and uh, we will probably be all wrapped up in Michigan in the next couple to three weeks, I would say. And with that, that's our entire crop report for Michigan. Well, I want to sincerely thank all of our growers who continue to take the time during their summer busiest months of the year to provide these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website where you'll learn more about our data and insight center and see more data of what's happening in the blueberry industry. We've made a snapshot view of the USDA data and production and price, an online resource for everyone to access easily and quickly. Make sure you go to ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. But let's get back to our conversation with Gary Thompson of Gus Automation.
3: Our growers have always been, I think all farmers are, frankly, very innovative. I mean, I've always said, hey, give them a torch and, a, you know, the old steel bone pile be out behind the barn and they'll figure out how to make it a good piece of equipment. With all this influx of high tech, we've also realized that, you know, a lot of this robotics and all that kind of stuff is really beyond where many of our growers come from. Seems like uh, you folks uh, didn't let automation and robotics uh, stop you. Of course, you're you're sitting there in the Silicon Valley. Did you have a lot of uh, support? Or did you go to the robotic areas, the Tesla people, et cetera, et cetera? I mean, is that where some of this innovation came from, or is this all homebrewed things?
1: Yeah, it's a little bit of a combination. We did a lot of homebrew, and we did bring in some outside help on uh, what we did, and you know, we're close to the Silicon Valley, but we're definitely not in the Silicon Valley. We're, you know, south of Fresno here, we're in the, the meat of the ag deal. So yeah, we did have to um, do quite a bit of footwork to figure out, you know, which sensors to use, the software to develop to make this thing uh, work. And really, you know, where I think we bring so much value is just our background. You know, we're ag guys that are doing tech to solve a problem. And so much of what we see out there is tech guys that decide, I'm going to go solve a problem for the ag guys. And that's great. They have a great, you know, knowledge of the software and the sensors and such. But, man, until you've lived the farm life for decades, um, it's, it's very challenging to know all the what ifs, you know. It's like, okay, well, what if the machine does this? What if it comes across that? You know, there's thousands of those what ifs that we, with our skill set, our knowledge set, uh, set of everything that has to go into performing a real world application. We have that that knowledge set, and we built not only our machine, but also the user interface is a huge part of it because it's it's one thing just to say, okay, I built a tractor; it drives itself up and down rows, and it's quite a different thing. To have that machine actually perform an application of chemicals, fertilizers, what have you, in a very precise manner and to be able to do it over and over and over from one field and farm to the next and do it in a way that the grower really enjoys it, really likes it. Because I guarantee you they hold, through our experience, they hold autonomous equipment to a much higher standard than they do through their current conventional equipment with the tractor drivers that they have. So we're held to such a high threshold and we've got to perform. I mean, and that's, that's what we do. So, and as far as being intimidated by, you know, just all the new innovations, there's certainly a factor of that. You know, you don't want to get something out there that the farmers are going to say, that's never going to work. Look, it's got so many computers on it and all that. So, from day one, we set out to make a very simple, robust design, and we always joke that we have the most simple autonomous machine on Earth. And people say, "Well, how can an autonomous machine be simple?" But really, it is. I mean, when when you go and you look at how it's built, the way it's put together, it really is a simple design. It's easy to work on, easy to um, diagnose problems, and just easy to operate. When we built these machines. We wanted our existing spray guys that work for us in our business to be able to run them. We're smart enough to know that I'm not going to be able to go hire a computer scientist and say, okay, I need you to go to Lost Hills tonight and spray for you know 12 hours a night for the next three weeks and sleep in you know the Motel 6 down the road. It's just very, very challenging to find someone with that skill set that's going to go out and perform real sprays month after month it's it's just not a winning proposition so instead we picked you know what these are the guys we use they know spraying i mean they deal with sprayers today they know how to unplug filters they know how to check nozzles let's get those guys and make the user interface easy enough to where they can run them and ultimately that's what we did and the great thing is there's so much technology around us now what we typically do when we go into a new customer and sell him Gus's, he asked, well, who should I have run them? And I said, well, who's your young guys? <laughs> you know, you got any guys in their twenties and thirties out here? Oh yeah. I've got a handful of them. Like, okay, they're going to be our guys, you know, and that's, it's really what it is. They, those guys grew up with cell phones. They grew up with computers. They take to this so fast. It's, it's mind boggling, you know, within a, a matter of three, four hours, of us training them, they're already operating the machines on their own.
0: I was going to jump in. Gary, just thinking about your audience for this piece of equipment, you said at the beginning, you know, what was originally intended for creatively solving your own problems, then realizing there was something more here that you didn't really think growers weren't going to actually want to own their own piece of equipment. I mean, wasn't there some sense that once this magic machine was going to end up in the market that they wouldn't want to then own it themselves?
1: Uh, You know, at the time, our whole business was that commercial application business. And out of all the innovative things that we built over the decades, we've never sold any of it. You know, we kind of kept it inside of our company, just kept it as our own competitive advantage and ran with it. So there's definitely a factor. I mean, we know growers very, very well. We, We live this life that some of them are super happy to invite a service in to come and do their work so long as the service performs well. And there's some of them that just want to have complete control over everything that happens on their farm. We definitely knew it was going to, you know, be a good possibility that people were going to want to buy them. At the time, it was just basically us making the decision of, because that's a whole nother world for us, you know, to enter into manufacturing and sales and supporting all the machines and then instead of them just being in our own little world and us having our own people out there operating them and taking care of them, I mean, we're opening ourselves wide open to anything and everything. And any little challenges that we might have or you know a flaw in our system or something, once it goes out to the world, I mean, then it's, it's just wide open. So a big part of what really attracted us to all this, though, is we knew that would make us that much better. You know, we knew that that was going to be a very big challenge, that we were going to have to really fine tune our machine, fine tune the software in order to sell it to a grower and say, okay, you know, here's the machine, we'll help train your guys, and now it's yours to run with. And um, taking that step is a step that really not that many other autonomy companies have taken. The majority of them just do it as a service because, again, it's much easier to... Keep it all under your umbrella, but after really thinking it through, we thought it a necessary step in our evolution as a as a business, and um, we've really been successful with it. I mean, we're coming up on our hundredth Gus unit, and our customers um, have been very happy with the machines. We've we've had a ton of second orders from our customers, which to me says a lot. I mean, when they've been out running them for three to six months, and then they're calling you and saying. Hey, I want to place another order. I don't know why I still have these tractor drivers out here. You know, <laughs> the Gusway is a much better way to do it. Send me some more
3: sprayers. What is the power source and how how big a tank? I mean, you're obviously doing trees, and we come from the blueberry side. But just just to give our growers kind of the the general dimensions and power source and that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, so I'll, I'll start with where we began, and it was in the trees. So that machine itself, it's powered by a Cummins diesel engine, 173 horsepower. It's got a direct drive to the 36-inch fan, so puts out a lot of airflow being an engine-driven machine. You don't have that loss of horsepower through a PTO. And the machine itself is a four-wheel drive, four-wheel steer, 600-gallon stainless steel chemical tank on it. It has mechanical agitation, it has pump bypass agitation, so let alone the autonomy, it's it's one of the best built sprayers you'll ever look at. We use stainless in all the right areas, use all just very robust, common, proven components um, on the spraying side of things. So we built our first machine, and then very quickly, you know, we're also, like I said, we do a lot of vineyard spraying here in California. Vineyards are much tighter, plantings than the orchards so we knew we wanted to build something that would fit in more of a high density field we set off to build a smaller one and we call it mini gus um, actually and this is a machine that we're going to be bringing to market here very shortly it's six feet wide and so it's two feet narrower than its big brother it's got a 400 gallon tank still has the uh, 173 power Cummins diesel engine in it still uses a 36 inch fan. Uh, we just kind of shrunk everything else. and so when you see it it's going to be basically about a 70% scaled version of the bigger unit. It looks very similar. We've um, built towers for it as well, a tower for spraying vineyards so you can spray multi-row. The other place that we're getting a lot of attention for this machine is up in the Pacific Northwest. So, we're talking Washington, Oregon, apples. Uh, apples are sprayed a lot and very similar setup to a vineyard. You know, they're growing them on high density trellis, uh, 10 foot rows. So, we're going to be selling machines up into that industry. Uh, we've designed a tower for that as well so we can target the uh, trellis very precisely. Then we got Uh, people like rod here that give us a call and say man let's get this thing in the blueberries so uh that's a lot of the legwork we're doing right now is looking at different blueberry operators and you know trying to figure out if there's any unique challenges to the blueberries that we got to adapt our machine to but overall i i think um so long as we have the space to drive the machine down the row you know it is a six foot wide machine tire to tire on the width so We have that space. Um, It should be very doable.
0: We're going to take a quick break right here for our marketing boost. We'll be right back to this conversation in a moment. But for now, here's USHBC NABC Vice President of Marketing Communications, Jennifer Sparks.
4: Thanks, Casey. Let's talk data. Are you utilizing the tools available to you? Do you know where to find up-to-date industry insights to help set your marketing plans? Look no further than USHBC's new Data and Insight Center released this past spring on ushbc.org data. We work hard on your behalf to dive into the data to drive our marketing and promotion plans. We're also bringing that value back to our stakeholders by providing you with easy access to the information and insights that help you look at the bigger picture. The fact is you have a business to run and the best business decisions are data-driven. At USHBC, we have access to blueberry production and market information all around the world. We help convert that information to relevant data points and actionable insights for your business. At ushbc.org data, you'll find the latest production and pricing trends, and you can choose the timeframe you want to explore. Looking for retail category performance? It's right there at your fingertips for the last four weeks, 13 weeks, or the last year. You can also break it down by metric, dollars, volume, or units. It's all there. You'll find something for everyone on your team, from economic impact studies to consumer and shopper insights and grower research. And let's not forget food service insights, which has just been updated with our newly released Blueberry Demand Patron Study. Our job at USHBC is to make your jobs easier. ushbc.org data. Visit often. You'll learn a lot. This has been your marketing boost. Thank you for your partnership, as together we inspire the world to grab a boost to blue. Casey, back to you. Thanks,
0: Jenny. Now back to today's episode with Rod and Gary Thompson from Gus.
3: Hey, Gary, one question I had was service. I mean, I, I know we've got growers out there that are using some equipment on their own farms where they frankly know they're not using the best of the best. But they're using the best firm that services the equipment they do use. And, you know, you just can't afford a breakdown. You can't afford, you know, downtime, especially with things like spraying. It's got to be done now. Phenologically, you've got to be in there at a specific time because this is where the population of your issue is, whether insect, fungus, it doesn't really matter. How are you addressing the service issue for the sales?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And what we've really done is gone to the dealer network to solve that problem. Because you're exactly right. It doesn't matter how great the machine is. You know, all it takes is one uh, ruptured hydraulic hose and the machine's down, and then you're waiting on your support service. And if they don't show up for three days to swap out a hydraulic hose for you, you know, obviously that machine's not doing any good for you. And we understand that better than a lot of people because, again, we've, <laughs> we've lived this, this life for so long. So what we really did, we knew the good dealers um, here in our valley in California. So we kind of signed up with a couple of them that we thought would be really strong dealers for us here in California and um, let the dealers do what they do best, selling equipment and maintaining it, you know, servicing it. So it's really been a a good, beneficial way to do it. We do provide 24-hour support um, over the phone here at Gus as well, at Gus Automation. We know the spraying business. Um, It happens mostly at nights, and and especially when we're going all around the world, we're going to be getting calls any minute of the day. And as you said, the customer can't be down. When you got to spray, you got to spray. So for that reason, if the dealer can't solve a problem immediately, you know our phones are always on, and or maybe the dealer calls us and says, "Hey, I haven't seen this problem before. Can you help me through it?" You know, so we're we're here twenty four seven.
3: As a grower yourself. Has the use of this kind of equipment made any management changes on the nut side of your business? Because this was originally designed to kind of replace or supplement or whatever a commercial spraying program, has it had any impacts on the way you grow your almonds? Yeah, I think the
1: biggest impact is you know, just the the efficiency and the speed of the spraying process. Getting The machines in and out of the field as fast as possible is typically every grower's goal when they start a, a spray application. You know, things go well and you get them out in a handful of days, whereas if you have issues, then the sprayers are still in there, you know, a week or two later and you can't get your water turned back on. You know, maybe the pests have already taken over a block that you were trying to get ahead of. So, really, it's just about being more efficient, getting across the farm. The other big factor and something that we built into the machine is just the recording ability. So everything that we're doing when we're applying the chemicals is all being recorded onto the sprayer's computer. And then at the end of that spray, that data log can be downloaded and saved for for your records. So you're gonna be able to see a coverage map. You can see the speed the machine was going, the flow rate of the material, the time, the date, all that stuff is saved and you can save that alongside the material wreck that you got. And, you know, later on you can use it. Um, you can use it in case, you know, you have a neighbor that complains that he thought you drifted on them on a certain day. Well, you can look it up, show them in the records. No, we didn't even spray that day. Look, we sprayed here and here's my proof, you know? So these kinds of things will just keep coming more and more relevant in the future with food safety and all that. So.
0: I was just going to dig in a little bit further on, you know, kind of your next steps in thinking about blueberries and, you know, the way that you see this transition. Obviously, you've talked about the narrowing of the equipment for certain rows, but, you know, what has been your experience and exposures to blueberries to date?
1: Yeah, certainly. So it really comes down to different growing regions. In fact, just last week, we had one of our Gus uh, employees that headed out to Georgia and toured a few of the blueberry farms over there. Talked to those growers and um, just got a tremendous amount of interest from them. You know, guys that were doing 25 sprays a year, spraying, you know, is a huge part of their farming operation. So they're highly interested in the machine. And like I said, going back to just the requirements of the width of the machine, they had enough space for our machine to physically fit down the row. So I think that that's going to be a good market for us. Also, Washington, like I said, we're really pushing up that way into the apples, into hops, um, cherries, and we're going to really start talking to a lot of blueberry growers up there as well. Getting our eyes on the farms, making sure that we have the width to fit our machine into, and if every all the stars align, I mean, we're going to be we're going to definitely be selling machines into that market.
0: Well this might be a great segue rod to uh you know what motivates us to do these podcasts but obviously we've got an event where we hope to harness a lot of this kind of big thinking and innovation so rod have we we talked to gary about the upcoming tech symposium
3: as a matter of fact growers that are listening may wonder why we haven't really hit them a lot harder uh, about the blueberry deal and in fact uh The reason is because Gary will be joining us at the tech symposium at the end of September. And by that time, we hope to uh, maybe have uh, more video and things like that where we can actually see this smaller version. And uh, they will have gathered additional information from a couple more areas on the likelihood of using it in Blueberry. And so we'll... uh, We'll expect a lot more blueberry-oriented uh, program out of out of Gary and and hearing about the mini gusts there. So, very fascinating company. It's great for our growers to know that it was really grower-based, industry-based to begin with. Just uh, again, really want to thank you for sharing the time today with us.
1: Yeah, well, thank you guys very much as well. Um, we're we're super excited about continuing to explore uh, the blueberry industry and and getting our machines in the fields.
0: Well, I really enjoyed this conversation with Gary. Rod, what were some of the key takeaways from today's episode for you?
3: You know, first off, I think it's a kind of machine that's really functional. Obviously, they're not quite ready for prime time in Blueberry, but we hope to uh, uh, encourage Gary to get there. It's part of the reason we had him on the podcast today, part of the reason why we've asked him into the symposium, both to help our growers understand what he has to offer in terms of this this spray rig, but also so that he can gather more information about our industry. But I, I like the fact that it is Replacing that labor, especially that labor that, as as he said himself, sometimes isn't quite as precise as we'd really like it. With a very important uh, piece of our cultural needs in terms of spraying, uh, we can see improved quality of the spray which should result in better quality of the final product and again this is very applicable across the whole industry whether you're organic grower whether you're a conventional grower really doesn't matter we all have to put some sort of protection materials down on our crops so you know it's broad-based quality control they're going to be using uh, dealer systems to give very good service. He's already as a grower himself very aware of the, of the service issues so there's a, a whole lot of things there that I think uh, really make this very functional uh, piece of kit going forward for our growers
0: yeah you know and I I heard labor 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 right I mean I think about the future of our business and the ability to compete and you know where this takes another opportunity forward for how growers might imagine. Less need for dependency on labor, that story he told where you know they could have the tractors ready to go, everything ready, and they just don't have the people to jump in those seats. You know here's another good example of where technology is helping to intersect a real issue uh, without getting into the why. It's just the fact that this solves another piece of the of the problem. so very exciting, again, another good example of where innovations coming to the blueberry industry where you can see that translation coming from other crops or other uh, areas in industry. Uh, but just a fascinating opportunity, I think, ahead for hearing more about this and where it might be applicable for blueberries going forward. So great episode, Rod. Thank you. Thanks, Casey. Well, that's it for episode 62 of The Business of Blueberries. If you're particularly enjoying these tech episodes, which I know many of you are, we've created a playlist for you. You can find just the tech episodes we've done for this show and binge on those by following the link in the show notes. We have really covered some fascinating technologies that are likely to have a big impact on the future of our industry. Again, that link for the collection of the tech episodes can be found in this episode show notes. So thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on The Business of Blueberries.